The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And a happy new year to all of our Winning Ponies listeners. I hope you had a safe and happy holiday. Hope everybody had a good time. Some sensational uh, racing and some sensational football and sensational food. And hopefully now we can all get back to uh, uh, going to the gym, you know, because we've all uh, decided that uh, we're going to make changes in our life here and. and uh 2018 and uh you know so many people say well i'm going to drop some pounds i'm going to drop some weight well for for years i uh coached at the ymca 13 years to be exact uh, basketball i had three sons of varying ages and it's funny because we'd have to walk by the weight room every year and all these people that made their new year's resolutions the place would be packed people would be running lifting yoga just unbelievable it was at the same time as our basketball season well you know kind of by about the third week in january you saw maybe 70 percent of the people by the fifth week you saw about 40 (laughs) percent and pretty much the place was empty halfway through February. So I hope you keep your resolutions, uh, whatever they are, you know, uh, baby steps, everybody. Well, uh, you got two uh, interesting guests. Both of them have been on the show, but both of them have new things to to tell us about. Uh, First up is trainer Jeff Greenhill. And I've had Jeff on numerous times. Uh, Just uh, when you talk to him, he sounds like he's right out of a cotton-picking field, but he's a graduate of Auburn University. He was a chemical engineer. He retired at 38 years of old to pursue his dream of training horses, and believe it or not, he started as a hot walker with D. Wayne Lucas, and working with him was Mike Maker and Dallas Stewart. (laughs) So he uh, was amongst good company. He certainly uh, learned at the foot of the master with uh, D. Wayne Lucas. Well, uh, Jeff's had just a sensational career as far as a winning percentage and his ability to keep horses sound, uh, having horses win races as old as 12-year-olds. He's had a horse win uh, a race uh, in its 100th start. So we're talking to a top trainer, but right now he, like so many of us, has a challenge that's facing, and it's called Mother Nature. Uh, It has just been so cold everywhere. I saw the news report tonight where it was snowing down almost to the middle of Florida, people seeing snow for the first time in their life. But what this causes is a great uh, upheaval in your training schedule. Uh, Jeff is located in the Midwest. He rotates between Kentucky, Indiana, and Ohio. And right now he's at Turfway Park. Uh, Turfway, of course, has poly track, but that doesn't mean the track's always open for training. And it's certainly for the last couple of days has not been open for racing. So uh, 
it's kind of tough when you're pointing towards a race. It's kind of tough when you want to train and you can't. And it'd be very interesting to find out what it is a trainer does during these trying times of weather. It doesn't look like it's going to break anytime soon here in the Midwest. Of course, I'll be telling you about the numerous closings for those of you that want to uh, bet races at uh, Aqueduct and a few of the other tracks uh, around because uh, they are shuttering their uh, uh, live racing. Anyhow, most are still open for simulcasting. So we're going to talk to Jeff about uh, the perils of training uh, in sub-zero weather. Uh, then we're going to have a gentleman on we had on uh, was just before Saratoga started up. And it was Dan Torgman. Uh, he's a writer, a blogger, handicapper, and uh, founder of DenonymousRacing.com. And uh, he was a key figure in what was called Equestricon. And Equestricon took place up at Saratoga, and it brought back uh, together just an amazing group of professional people on every single level. I'm talking about jockeys, trainers, uh, even down to uh, equine photographers and artists. Uh, and you could get up close and personal with these people in different venues. Tom Durkin was giving tours of the uh, uh, National uh, Hall of Fame Museum at Saratoga. Uh, so, But anyhow, Questrocon this year uh, is going to happen during Breeders' Cup Week down in Louisville, depending on how you pronounce it. So... Uh, there's going to be a, a lot of new additions set on. Obviously, they're in a new location. Um, Dan's going to tell us about some of the ways that uh, uh, Churchill Downs and other organizations, uh, including the city of Louisville, have embraced uh, Equestricon. So uh, Dan's going to come out with us. I hope he can because he is in, I think, Brooklyn. And, man, they are getting hit bad. So uh, anyhow, uh Jeff and Dan will be our guests. So uh, now remember, I'm going to give you some of the track cancellations, but whatever you want do, uh, what tracks are open, because you might be handicapping some tracks you don't normally do, you want to pull down the easy win forms from winning ponies, because once again, we had another sensational week from coast to coast, uh, Gulfstream Park, boy, New Year's Eve, I hope you were there. A $1 super high five through the easy win forms returned a nice $4,395. That'll buy a little bit of champagne. And then downward, it's a little bit warmer. Tampa Bay Downs, a $1 super high five that paid $3,374. It really was a good week at Gulfstream. Then on New Year's Day, uh, we had a $1 super five box that paid $3,018. And uh, also... Just two days prior to that, a $1 Super 5 key paid over $2,700. So easy win forms for all the tracks that are racing. But you want to go up there. We're also, uh, we'll be listing all the tracks that are racing and the ones that are canceling. Uh, of course, it uh, looks like uh, Aqueduct is they're going to get hit so bad, uh, they're, they're calling off four days, uh, I just read. Uh, so pretty much January 4th through 7th, Aqueduct will be closed. Now, the, uh, the Hollywood Casino at Penn National and Turfway Park have canceled their cards on the 4th and 5th, and Laurel Park has canceled their January 5th card. Uh, of course, we, they, they're doing some more shuffling of the uh, cards there because uh, 
they canceled last week because we did talk about some of the stakes there, like the Dave's friend, after the seventh race. So um, we're going to try to get a little more information about what's going on at Laurel because they did move some of the races around. They were going to include the $100,000 38 go-go stakes for Phillies and Mares and the Dave's Friends, uh, but now it looks like they're going to move them up one more day. Hopefully they can uh, get those in. The Dave's Friends put together a really good uh, field. So anyhow, end of the year, let's take a look at some of the some of the results. How about the Ortiz brothers. Jose Ortiz led all riders in North American earnings. I read Ortiz led in wins. Can you imagine that? What a family affair that is. These guys are just unbelievable and they're young. Uh, it's going to be sensational to watch these guys. I mean, they're the next generation coming up, but uh, it, it's just unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, Rounding out uh, the top four riders in 2017, most of them competed on the Naira circuit. Uh, Javier Castellano uh, held second in the money with $25 million, followed by Irad Ortiz at $22 million. Johnny V, his horses earned $20 million, $780,000. And uh, the ever-tough Mike Smith finished fifth. At twenty million five hundred and forty thousand, so those are your top jacks of the year. But the Ortiz brothers just unbelievable. And speaking of Mike Smith, he did get the honor of a Jockey Guild Jockey of the Week. I uh, hope you got to watch the American Oaks. What a race that was! Uh, but uh, you know he, he's going to score Jackie of the Week uh, quite a bit, a little bit. But uh, the second favorite, Daddy's Little Darling, we'll cover the full results a little bit later here. Uh, got the j- job done, and let's not forget uh, about uh, Smith, who uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's a two-time Eclipse Award-winning rider for Outstanding Jackie, and he just keeps going and going and going. So congratulations uh, to him. Uh, some of the other uh, top uh, – y- end-of-year trainers. That's easy for you to say, John. Um, it was uh, Chad Brown finishes the top trainer by purse earnings in North America. It was the second straight year that he was able to pull that off. Chad Brown, just unbelievable. Uh, a uh, disciple of the Robert Frankel's stakes uh, coming up when he was younger. And what you just got to watch him from coast to coast. He's everywhere. So uh, while he finishes the leading trainer in earnings, Hall of Famer Bob Baffert was the leading North American trainer uh, uh, by earnings at $27 million when you add in the Dubai World Cup. So, But Brown uh, still considered finishing on top. Uh, Todd Pletcher is always up there. He's made the, the earnings list again. But again, Brown also led the way in graded stakes victories with 47. Uh, Baffert ran second at 31. Of course, uh, you know, having to uh, arrogate in your barn uh, sure doesn't hurt as far as any earnings are concerned. Um, let's take a look now at the uh, the uh, 
we're coming up on the Eclipse Awards, and they kind of let them leak out every year. And uh, I do have to mention the the uh, awards for the media awards because there's a good friend that ended up winning one, and uh, that was uh, Barbara Livingston. Barbara, you know, we've had on the show uh, before, uh, starting out with television, NBC Sports won for live racing program, uh, the Daily Racing Forum won for uh, multimedia. Uh, but if you get a chance, you've got to check out uh, Barbara's work on the life of man of war. They're called the Golden Age of Sport. She's a, an amazing photographer and an amazing historian. You can go, if you go up on DRF, you can find it www.drf.com slash man of war to check out Barbara's work. So uh, let's uh, take a look at the races we looked at last week. And. Uh, the Grade 1 American Oaks, I already let the cat out of the bag, and it was Daddy's Little Darling. Saved ground to the stretch. Mike Smith moved her out to the three-path, and then she had to run a gutsy race to hold off Madam Dance a lot, the Irish bred. Richard Baltus had two horses in there. And they ran second and third. Kathy Song at 18 to 1 got the third spot. But so happy for Kenny McPeak. You may recall when uh, he went over to Europe to try to race over there. And there was, I believe, a lightning storm. It spooked uh, the horse, dropped the rider. Daddy's little darling uh, ran off. Of course, uh, you know, Daddy's little darling uh, did run second in the Kentucky Oaks this year to Abel Tasman. Had a lot of close calls there. Uh, did win at Kentucky Down in, in their Oaks race. So congratulations uh, to Kenny McPeak, who's been a regular on the show here at Winning Ponies. Also out at uh, Santa Anita, Midnight Loot, and the winner in there, Silent Bird, put blinkers on. First, hadn't been out for four months. It worked. But you want to talk about a horse for course. Silent Bird, six starts, five wins at Santa Anita. In the second spot was 12 to 1 shot, Tough Sunday. And in third was the even money favorite, American Eyes. And then at Gulfstream Park, the H. Allen Jerkins going long, two miles. And man, I was really pulling for my friend Tim Glyshaw, who's been on the show recently. Bullard's Alley just came up a little bit short in a head bobbing finish. The winner was number two, Runtime, who rallied while wide. That was a really close one. Nonetheless, Bullard's Alley. Turns out to be a great horse from the Glyshaw barn. And again, no results for the Dave's friend because they haven't run it yet. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then we're going to have a warm conversation with a trainer that's been cold a lot lately, and that's none other than my friend Jeff Greenhill. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite guys in the horse racing business, none other than Jeff Greenhill. I gave you a little bit about his background. Not too many people get to retire at 38 and then start walking hots for D. Wayne Lucas, uh, but Jeff decided to take that path in life, and it has paid off. He has had numerous uh, champions throughout the Midwest. I told you about how good he is at you know keeping older horses together and sound, and um, it, the, uh, the buzz around his stable is more more of a family affair than anything else. When you go back to the, the shed row at the Green Hill Barn, you see a lot of familiar faces because once people go to work for Jeff, as long as they, they do their job, they just become a part of Team Green Hill. So with no longer ado, Jeff Greenhill, welcome to Winning Ponies. Hey, John. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you, too. Well, maybe it hasn't been a Happy New Year. Uh, it's been kind of <laughs> tough. No, I'm not going to jump right into the cold thing. I, I just want to ask, uh, you know, I've been talking to so many people about uh, racing clubs and about partnerships, and you are fantastic at putting together partnerships because, uh, it, it, let me let me guess on this, that, that people that came in some of your 10-horse partnerships or 20 horse whatever you know track photographers love jeff greenhill um has some of them all of a sudden kind of branched out a little bit and saying hey jeff maybe i want to pick a horse of my own and have you train it where you, they got turned on to racing through through a partnership and then decided maybe to foray out on their own yeah that's happened i mean uh people they they get in they get involved they have some good experiences and and then they want to be the owner of record, and I'm happy to facilitate that. So that has happened, yes, sir. I know. Just over the last couple of years, you know, usually when I see Green Hill, you know, I I, I know it's kind of a teen Green Hill thing, uh, but then I have seen names I never saw before, and I'm like, oh, this person must have been a part of Jeff's, uh, you know, one of his larger partnerships originally. Well, anyhow, let's uh, – I'll say jump into the fire, but that's the last thing we're jumping into right now. <laughs> Hopefully your feet are up and you're near a fire. Uh, if you're anywhere in the Midwest, and God forbid if you're in New York or, or Boston, um, Jeff, well, let's see, you grew up in the South, right? So you really weren't exposed to much cold weather, were you? It's hard on the Alabama boy, John. Hard on the Alabama boy. I, I, I never heard the word. Bomb cyclone until this week, and believe me, there are none of those in Alabama. Well, since you've moved your uh, uh, team to the uh, the Midwest, that's decided where you've made home. You've been extremely successful at it. What is it like facing what we're facing right now? And I'm, I'm going to key in on the Kentucky area and Turfway Park. I mean, you have to go day to day wondering, A, if you're going to race that night, 
B, are you going to be able to train in the morning? Um, what's that like? You probably go up on their website or their Facebook page or whatever to find out, okay, what's happening today? No, actually, I drive to the racing office and I quiz them incessantly, <laughs> and they probably get tired of it. But uh, I I don't think we've raced a day this year, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, the main thing is we have trained some, but I'm a guy that believes that more horses are overtrained than undertrained. So if it's five degrees or less, I'm not going to take them out there, even to jog them. The main thing I'm concerned about is hydration because horses don't drink much water in the wintertime. So first thing we get in there in the morning, we get the ice. We break all the ice out of the water buckets. We fill them up with lukewarm water. And then before we leave, after training or walking, we fill them up with water again. When we come back and feed in the afternoon, we fill them up with water again. My main concern is just make sure these horses are uh, are uh, hydrated at this time of year. They're blanketed. They're in indoor barns, but I want them drinking water. So I'm not so worried about training unless it goes over, you know, 10 days or something like that. But it looks like we might be out of the deep freeze by next week. But like I said, my main concern is are they eating good, are they drinking good, and are they well-blanketed? You know, I, I was listening to a show today, and, and they were talking about how um, they do, like with some livestock, actually uh, change their feed during uh, weather extremes. Uh, do you have any change in your feeding program? Well, a little bit. We put, we always put water in their afternoon feed, and so to keep them hydrated, we've added a little more water in the wintertime. And, but I'll tell you what, they actually eat better in conditions like this. And I don't know if it's the heat of digestion. In other words, if they eat and they've got plenty to digest, they stay warmer. Uh-huh. But our horses are eating. They're, they're licking their feed tubs clean during this cold spell. The one thing, the, the one change we did make is we took the sliced carrot out of their feed tubs because they just turned into uh, orange ice cubes. <laughs> and... Uh, so we always slice up carrots and all the feed tubs, and we took those out because they seriously just turned into orange ice cubes. Now, when you when you, when you show up at the shed row, and I know you are an early riser, um, do you kind of say, do you just kind of walk them around the shed row and figure out which ones, you know, because everybody, they you don't want to coop them up all day. And then do any of them, do you just throw a rider up on their back just so there's some weight on their back? Well, well, we do, the first thing I ask is, what are all the temps? You know, do we have anybody with a fever? And did everybody eat up? Those are the first two questions. If we've got anybody with a fever, we're going to pay a special attention to them. And if anybody didn't clean up their feed tub, then we're going to pay a special attention to them. Other than that, I don't do a much, much shed rowing. In other words, training inside the barn because... Most all barn shed rows are uneven. The last thing I want to do is, you know, step in a rut or anything and turn an ankle like that. We either walk them in their blanket and just put them back in, or we take them to the track and jog them. Now, when the temperature gets up 15 and higher, then we essentially go back, you know, we go back to moderate training. 
but I I don't really breathe a horse until the temperature gets above 25 or something like that because all the research I've read indicates that when you get below 20 and you start exercising a horse at you know even moderate levels, then you're starting to do damage to the lungs. Now, believe me, there's a lot of big-time trainers out there that don't agree with me because I see them breeze horses in five-degree weather, but I'm just... I'm just concerned. I don't have the big boys have if if they have a horse that goes on the wayside, they've got somebody else waiting to put a horse in that stall. I don't, so I just have to take care of them. And that's the reason I really think that's the reason horse lasts longer for us because we just we say, okay, we're going to lose a we're going to lose a day of training a day, but we're not going to lose six months on the farm because we did something stupid. So, all right, let's say. We're, looks like there's going to be a, a moderate break in about three, four days. So the, the, the track will open, and you'll probably start training on the track. Do you uh, kind of start out short and start out right. slow and then start right. bringing them back? Because you don't want to lose their fitness or their muscling, but you also don't want to push them and pull a muscle. When Let's, see, let's just say that we went out into it. We went from a deep freeze into an area where it's right okay to train. First day, I would jog them. The second day, I would gallop them. And if everything is going well, then the third day, I might two-minute lick them, or the fourth day, I might breeze them. It, it, it's horse-dependent. But no, I'm not going to leave them. I'm not going to leave them out there after three days of walking and ask them to go five furlongs. I, mean, I just, you, 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 well, what would you do? <laughs> if, <laughs> if you were an avid exerciser and then you took three days off, you're not going to go out there and, and, and give it your all the next day. I just try and use common sense. That's yeah. That's all it's, I can do. Yeah. Well, that's what I do with my dog. You know, it's like, okay, Rudy, we're, we're only going 25 minutes today. We're not doing your usual hour. <laughs> I got news for exactly. you. Cause, cause, you know, frostbite sets in around, well, in this kind of weather, they say it can, it can come in anywhere about 15 to 20 minutes, you know, and when I stop feeling my toes, it's like, it's like time to go in. Now, uh, there's something like this, like, let's say, you know, you had a horse, uh, you know, fit and ready to roll or run last Saturday or, or whatever. Um, how does this shake up your, your reading of the condition book? And, and how does oh. Tyler, Tyler Picklesheimer, you know, reset races, uh, so that the horses that were supposed to go in certain races get in them? That is the, that's the toughest thing. Uh, I've got three or four horses right now that have been entered twice because they cancel racing. They hang the race back on the overnight as an extra. I enter. They use it again. It's canceled again, and then it it comes back. It's just it's just absolutely just paying close attention. Where did I have them entered? Where can I enter them next? And uh, it's it's uh you know with when I had two or three horses, it's not a big problem. When you got thirty horses. Just keeping up. I can't imagine how the big boys actually do it, but you just try and keep, okay, this horse didn't, this horse got in, they canceled the race, he got in again, they canceled the race, they brought it back, are we ready to go back in there? It's, uh, it is, it's really a management conundrum, I guess I'd say. But Tyler and those guys, they do, they do a really good job of keeping up with 
what races didn't use and how many horses were in there. And if we bring this race back, will it feel? And I got, you know, I got nothing bad to say about Tyler and those guys. They're just a victim of an, a, uh, a bomb cyclone. Is that what it's called? A bomb cyclone. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. A Saskatchewan torture or I don't know what, what, what the heck, you know. But all I know is... You, you walk out your door and you're like ice cold immediately. Um, what I wanted to know is, Jeff, I, like I said earlier, you know, you go back to the Green Hill Barn and you see a lot of familiar faces. How's your staff holding up? Man, I just, I love those guys and gals. It's, it's just amazes me that people show up seven days a week in this kind of weather to make sure that the horses in the barn are taken care of. And that's what they're doing because they're not getting rich. They're not getting rich. They're showing up to make sure those horses in their care are taken care of in a stressful time. I love them. I cannot say enough about, I cannot say enough good about barn help. I, I, I would not be, I, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am without the wonderful people who work for me. And in times like this, you can't pay them what they're worth, but you can tell them you love them. And <laughs> that's just, I mean, I, I cannot, I can't, I am so impressed by people who take care of horses year round. But in this type of weather, they just amaze me. They absolutely amaze me. Well, you know, the, the thing is, Jeff, the, 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 the coach sets the environment, and you create a fantastic environment around the barn. You know I've been an owner of yours in the past in partnerships, and uh, you treat people fairly, you, you treat people right, and you also kind of eke a little bit of fun in there. We, we try to, but I, I, I am wonderfully blessed with fantastic owners and wonderful help, and I just, you know, I just try and pay them every once a week, I pay them once a week and keep them pointed in the right direction, but I, I, I'm the least part of my success, and uh, it's hire good help, and then trust them to do what, what, if what is right. Well, Jeff uh, Greenhill, I, I pray that uh, Mother Nature reels in her wrath because it's got to be tougher and tougher to pay your staff when you're not uh, cashing some of that purse money, which you do on a regular basis, uh, better than many. Uh, and uh, th- that's got to be stressful, too, is that, you know, there's not a whole lot of income oh. coming in to take care of your people. That's another kudo to the owners. I mean, my day rate, I make not a penny on my day rate. I actually probably lose on my day rate, but my owners are, are losing money too because they're racing at a track when everything's perfect. Only races three days a week, three days a week. And the, and the purses are nominal at best, but it's where my help is. So we're kind of, uh, we're going to be at Turfway as long as they're open because that's where my help is. And thank God for owners who realize that, hey, for the next three months, we're just going to hope to defray costs till we can get out and start running places where we can pay the bills. I, 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 can't, I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate owners who understand the situation. 
<clears throat> and that's the only way I can do what I do. Excuse me. Well, I'm, I'm about sick myself. Well, Jeff, they're good to you because you're good to them, and uh, you're great to me for coming on Winning Ponies. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I wish you nothing but the, the best. I hope warmth comes your way soon, and I look forward to seeing you in the winter circle. John, I appreciate it. You'll never know how much I appreciate you. All right. We've been talking with Jeff Greenhill, who's trying to uh, stay warm down there. At, uh, well, he, he lives in Kentucky. Right now he's training at Turfway. We're going to take a little bit of a break here on Winnie Ponies. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Dan Torgman about uh, what is going on with EquestriCon. They came out with a huge national press release this week. They're taking their game to Louisville. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, you know, uh, one of my uh, philosophies in life is that we all need to be ambassadors of the sport. If you enjoy racing, bring a neighbor, bring a friend, turn them on to racing. You know, we've got to do it one at a time. Somebody's not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden say, hey, I think I'll go to a racetrack. They need a reason to go, and all of us need to be ambassadors of the sport of racing. And perhaps one of the top ambassadors of this day and age is uh, Dan Torgman, uh, who's uh, – and a Syracuse University grad that that moves him way up in my book, uh, you know, double major uh, with that in uh, communications and rhetorical studies. Go so who else could be a better salesman uh, than Dan? Uh, and also, uh, I didn't see Dan on the news tonight because the screen went totally white. Dan Torgman, how you holding up there in the New York City area? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's a it's a mighty uh, friendly and, and kind introduction, John. I appreciate it. But yeah, it is it's a little chilly and, and a little windy. In fact, um, I'm standing uh, close enough to uh, my window here where you may actually pick up the sounds of uh, uh, of a wind gust or two behind me. So <laughs> don't be worried. I'm indoors though, so I, I, no, I'm I, hopefully I, safe. 
I got plenty of friends there and on Long Island, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Because my, my, my biggest fear in, in these situations, I mean, A, yeah, you can stay inside. Hopefully you bought your milk and bread and beer. Um, but B, <laughs> is that the power goes out. Because with those wind chills up there, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. And I don't know how you uh, you know keep your house warm in this situation. I've got heaters on all my pipes here in the Midwest just so they don't burst. I live in an older home. So, uh, well, Anyhow, I, I wish you the best as far as that's concerned, but uh, let's move on. Uh, I did give a tease at the top of the show about uh, Crestacon and its 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 move to uh, streamline the fan experience during Breeders' Cup week, stealing your headline that came out today. So uh, tell us what's happening and what might be different about what I understand was a fantastic experience up at Saratoga. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no, we were, uh, you know, we were sort of taken aback by um, the uh, really the extent uh, to which people have gone out of their way to uh, tell us that they had a great time at Equestricon, that they've heard great things about Equestricon if they hadn't attended. And for people listening who aren't familiar with Equestricon, Equestricon is the uh, first uh, and only uh, really a fan convention in the sport of horse racing, um, and it's an international racing convention. We had representatives from from uh, seven different countries uh, participate and attend. Uh, we even had uh, a giveaway in the sweepstakes with the Hong Kong Jockey Club in which um, uh, a guy from, from Pennsylvania actually won a trip to, to Hong Kong for the Hong Kong International Races. Just by wow. attending, he just showed up and filled out a slip, and he got to go to Hong Kong uh, uh, last month for, for their big racing carnival, and uh, I was with him for most of that time, so he had the time of his life. And really, you know, I mean, that's obviously on a larger scale, and, what we're trying to do with EquestriCon is just bring fans into the fold, fans at every level, give them a more uh, authentic experience, bring them face-to-face with the stars of the game, uh, with, with handicappers and horse players um, who they can learn from and who they can you know, sort of uh, get little tidbits and morsels from to, to improve their game. And regardless of what their interest is, whether it's ownership, whether, it's, uh, whether they're, they're in the breeding game, that there'll be something for everybody uh, who comes to EquestraCon. And so, yeah, so we had a really successful launch last year, uh, last August in, uh, in Saratoga. And Saratoga was great to us. And, um, you know, we could certainly see ourselves going back again in the near future. But uh, for year two, uh, just an incredible opportunity uh, to partner with the Breeders' Cup on Breeders' Cup Week as sort of the uh, sort of cornerstone fan event for Breeders' Cup Week. So um, for people who follow football and who, you know, are familiar with, with what they do around Super Bowl and how it's kind of like a week-long fan festival for the fans, on a much smaller level, uh, we hope to kind of pull off the same thing where we can create a week-long experience uh, in Louisville this year, uh, starting uh, October uh, 28th, uh, which is a Sunday. We'll kind of, uh, kind of set up shop that, that Sunday, but the actual convention days will be October 29th and 30th, uh, the Monday and Tuesday of Breeders' Cup Week. But as I said, from that Sunday and really all the way through until uh, Breeders' Cup Friday, we'll have um, you know events off-site, uh, give people the ability to do, uh, if they're coming into town, even if they're local, to, to do tours of, you know, uh, distilleries, of, of, of farms, of um, various locations of interest, the Derby Museum, uh, that sort of thing. And so we'll roll out the schedule in the, uh, in the coming weeks and months, but uh, pretty much what we announced today was that um, the dates are going to be October 29th and 30th. That's when the main convention is going to be uh, held at the Kentucky International Convention Center in downtown Louisville. 
And uh, if you go to our website at questioncon.com, there's a ton more information that you can find out. And like I said, uh, we're looking at, at rolling out a lot more information in the next few weeks. Well, Dan, you've you've uh, you know probably piqued the interest of a, a lot of our uh, listeners. Now, my question is: is um, can I buy the full dinner, or can I order a la carte as far as the events <laughs> I go to? Yeah, it, it it it'll totally be a la carte. Uh, so we we learned a lot from year one, and we kind of um, what was important for us to do, and um, you know, and kind of looking at the way. Other events are, you know, are held in, in other industries and kind of looking at how we do it in racing and what we can do to kind of create a fan experience that's a lot better is that it was really important for us to do um, an exit survey, uh, not only of the people who attended, but also the people who participated, including, uh, you know, a lot of the farms, the racing ownership groups, uh, the various service and, and product, uh, you know, uh, people who sell products in racing, they all had booths and, you know, we had, a, you know, sort of a trade show as well within the convention. So we did exit surveys, and we asked people what they liked, what they didn't like, what they'd like for us to improve. And so I think people did really like those opportunities to to visit uh, racing destinations nearby and kind of selectively pick them. They also enjoyed a lot of the networking events that we we kind of put together, putting people sort of face-to-face with, uh, with other people who share similar interests in racing. I think that's a lot of fun for people. So we want to do a lot more of that, and... Essentially, although we haven't released tickets yet, we, that, that'll be that's still a few months out. Um, what people can expect in terms of tickets is that they'll be able to buy a very uh, sort of uh, affordable, uh, sort of a reasonable ticket to the convention on the 29th and 30th, which will get you into the building. It'll get you a lot of those opportunities to engage and kind of network and kind of one-on-one visit a lot of the various booths and and go to you know panels and seminars. That'll be, you know, sort of reasonably priced ticket. And then if you wanted to a la carte, you can add these these other experiences around town like the tours that I mentioned. Uh, and, and I've got to think, you know, with, with it being capped off by the Breeders' Cup, there's going to be a huge number of high-profile people that you might be able to get involved. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's certainly uh, kind of the, uh, the goal. Um, year one, we were very excited uh, that, you know, even though it was in Saratoga on, on a weekend that was not necessarily the biggest, the, you know, sort of the busiest weekend of the meet, uh, we were still able to attract a good number of racing legends, including, you know, Ron Turcotte and, and John Cruguet, uh, Pat Day, uh, you know, Angel Cordero, of course, but the being in Saratoga, that helps Cordero is a, you know, he's, he's everywhere in Saratoga. Uh, but, you know, Braulio Baeza and a lot of the, for the racing legends, you know, we were able to do a good job of, of kind of bringing them in. And then, you know, we also had sort of the current stars. We had Johnny V there with the Kentucky Derby trophy and people were able to take photos with Johnny V and Terry Finley and members of, you know, the always dreaming team, the Brooklyn boys. So they were there, uh, Vinny Viola. Um, so we, you know, we're really excited about the fact that I think a lot of people, especially the personalities, the jockeys, the trainers, the owners, Graham motion is another sort of big support of ours. And one of our board members they really have an understanding of what we're trying to do and that we're doing this primarily as a fans and B people who are kind of, you know, we, we work in racing and we want the sport to be strong. We want to, you know, we want it to be here for us for, for many years to come and for the people who follow us. So, um, yeah, I, I think just our messaging alone. And then as you said, with the breeders cup, you know, I'm hoping we'll attract, uh, some big names. 
well, Dan, uh, your passion for what you're doing comes through loud and clear. Where and when did it start? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, yeah, my, you know, I, it's a good question, but I, I, I kind of have the sort of typical response in that, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I think what most people will tell you in that uh, it came from, you know, my dad. And uh, my dad, uh, you know, he was born in Morocco, uh, kind of grew up on racing in, in Morocco. Uh, well, from Morocco, uh, his dad as well, uh, kind of going to France and, and watching racing in France with his dad. Um, and then, um, he kind of, when he, when he came to the U S in the, in the late seventies and early eighties, he, um, he moved in near an OTB and he would go to the OTB all the time. That's kind of like, you know, that, that was the only language he really understood at the time was horse racing. So he, um, you know, he kind of, you know, kept with it and, 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 you know, he was, you know, a, a couple of times a year, you know, better, you know, a triple crown and that sort of thing. And then just, you know, I have early memories of being with him and watching, uh, some of the derbies from the 80s and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and it was something that I always enjoyed as a sport, as something that I was just a fan of. Um, I had a different career entirely for, for almost a decade before um, before I really, really got into horse racing as a career, but it was always a sport that I enjoyed watching and I enjoyed betting on. And so um, I think for me, I approach it from the perspective of a lot of times of, of, of a horse player and as a better, but as you know, you get more and more involved and, you know, I've been fortunate enough to kind of have access to a lot of really um, just cool experiences in racing. As you get those experiences, and you have an opportunity to kind of, you know, be up close with horses and meet a lot of really cool personalities. Um, you can't help but, um, you know, kind of broaden your, your interest and your horizons in racing. So for me, betting is still a kind of central part of what I love about racing, but there's a lot more that I love about it now that I, I kind of work in it so um yeah it's kind of evolved over the years but i think i'm as passionate and as you know fanatical about it as i've ever been well you know like i said you know as far as ambassadors of racing uh, that's exactly uh, what we need now uh obviously you, you worked from a really good blueprint uh my hats off to you for what you did at saratoga um what is being added or what is being eliminated from the, your original plan to, to make it an even better one? And does the fact that you're having it in Louisville before the Breeders' Cup change some of your ideas? Yeah, so, I, you know, like, as I said, we, we did an exit survey, and I think we wanted to get from that exit survey a sense for uh, the content, the types of content that people were looking for and what we found primarily the things that people were, were interested in and, and were curious to, to learn more about and to get more involved with were um, horse ownership uh, handicapping and wagering and then also this one might surprise you but um, really like one of the greatest areas of interest was in aftercare so um, that um, <laughs> was kind of a good sign for us because we we had thrown I think a lot of our resources into aftercare and into, you know, the, the issue of aftercare and the topic and subject of aftercare into our program. Uh, we brought in as our keynote speaker, Soledad O'Brien, who um, is obviously a sort of major media personality, but she's also an owner of retired racehorses. So she, was, she gave a keynote specifically on, on aftercare, and uh, the Third Bird Aftercare Alliance is our official charity partner. So it's important for us to kind of obviously stay consistent and stay on message and, and kind of let people know that aftercare is still a very central part of, of, of what we're doing and, and sort of the awareness that we're trying to raise about horse racing, not only within the sport, but, 
maybe you know outside the sport where somebody hears, oh, what is this sequester con? Let, let me check this out. This sounds like a fun thing. This is a horse racing comic con type thing. Let me go explore it. And maybe we bring people in and they say, oh, wow, these people really do care about these horses and they really are doing a lot to take care of them. There's so many other disciplines that they're being, you know, retrained for and that there are people who have really given their lives to this kind of work. So, so that's one thing. And so I think in terms of content, we look at those kind of three big areas of aftercare, um, handicapping, wagering, and, and ownership. And we want to be able to put together really interesting program, bring in speakers who can speak to all those things, um, provide opportunities for people to kind of directly engage with them. And so what we're adding, I would say, is kind of different formats for, for that to take place. Um, in year one, we had 85 in total, which is a crazy number, uh, 85 panels, workshops, seminars, and other events over a two-and-a-half-day period. And what we found is that that was a lot for people to take in. It was just so much, and they couldn't get to everything they wanted to get to. Uh-huh. So we're going to kind of trim some of that. We're just going to uh, we're going to lighten the program a little bit, and uh, as opposed to doing you know a two hour panel or an hour and a half panel, we're going to make the panel shorter, and then we're also going to do sort of more one on one talks or featured speakers as opposed to a panel of seven or eight people, uh, you know, sort of all buying to to get a word in. So we're, we're tinkering with formatting. We're doing that sort of stuff. And um, like I said, we kind of want to just put people face-to-face a lot more. We want to give people the opportunity to not only meet people and speak to people that they're interested in speaking to, but also for the fans who, you know, want to get autographs, just make it really easy for them to, to get autographs from their favorite jockeys and, and, to, and to have a quick conversation with them, you know. So we're just looking at ways to kind of tinker with it that way. And then with it being a Breeders' Cup Week event, I think people could expect a lot of the, you know, trainers and jockeys they see might be, you know, sort of quote-unquote Breeders' Cup legends or people who have a Breeders' Cup, a story with a Breeders' Cup spin to tell, you know, so that sort of thing. So, yeah, we're we're sort of mindful of all that. Well, that's great. All right, we've been talking with uh, Dan Torgman about Equestricon. Like he said, there's going to be a lot of new things being um, updated, so you need to go to equestricon.com. Am I correct? That's correct, yep. Okay. Now, all people uh, have to do is know how to spell it. It's E-Q-U-E-S-T-R-I-C-O-N. But if you type in anything close in Google, I'm sure it'll pop up. <laughs> Absolutely, it will. Well, uh, we'll stay tuned because, obviously, it's kind of a, a, a project that's that's going to move and grow, and there may be changes. Um, and I'm sure that you're going to draw people from all over the region. I mean, uh, you know, Louisville's not far from Indianapolis. It's not far from, uh, you know, Cincinnati, uh, Lexington. Uh, and obviously, there's just going to be people that are coming into town uh, for Breeders' Cup week. So uh, yep. your timing could not be better. Dan, thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies. I wish you nothing but the best. And I'm going to get to see you in person this year because I'll be down there. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, John. Thanks for the time tonight, too. I appreciate it. All right. Dan Torgman from Equestricon. Check it out online. And remember, there's going to be changes. We're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, I'm going to break down some of the bigger races that are going to happen on Saturday. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, well, I'm going to take you to three races coming up on Saturday that should pretty much go to post. We're not going to worry about the weather because we're going to Santa Anita and Gulfstream Park. Well, it's that time of year where we start seeing the Kentucky Derby points races pop up. And one's going to pop up at Santa Anita. It's the Sham, the horse that Secretariat's heart broke. Anyhow, going to start stretching them out. they got to go to a mile and a quarter that first Saturday of May. Going to be going a mile, and it really, once again, looks like Bob Baffert is holding most of the cards here. I, I think the, uh, the the horse to beat in here is, is the name McKenzie, who's by a Kentucky Derby winner, Street Sense. Uh, this horse is undefeated, though he finished second in his last race, and that was uh, the Los Al Futurity, a grade one. Uh, he did get bumped at the 16th pole and got moved up to first. I noticed that Mike Smith, who pretty much can have his choice of a couple horses in all these stakes races, is sticking with this horse for Bob Baffert. Uh, so McKenzie looks to be the slightly stronger one. By the way, that race at Los Al was a mile and a 16th, going a mile today. Uh, shouldn't be a horse that has a problem with distance and, ha- without a doubt, has the best back-to-back buyer figures of anybody in this race his other horse in here that's uh, going to be a, uh, a a growing contender is Marino is the name of the horse he's decided to put blinkers on it just ran second in the speakeasy and the grade three bob hope uh, he ran second uh, to gravitos who came back and won a very nice stakes race uh, just about two weeks ago uh so Marino. And McKinsey looked to be like the uh, horses that you're really going to have to look at uh, in there. Not to say that there aren't other ones. Um, you know, you got my boy Jack, who's uh, uh, DeSormo connections. But coming off the turf, horse can race a mile, just keeps either hitting the board or winning at a mile. Ran in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Only was beaten three lengths, but finished seventh in that race. So, uh those look like horses to watch, but definitely I'm going to have to go with McKinsey in there. Uh, then at Gulfstream Park, uh, we're looking at the um, Mucho Macho Man, $100,000, three-year-olds, no derby points. But nonetheless, um, it's going to be a very, very interesting race. I came up with three horses in here. A mystery horse, if you want to call it that, he's undefeated, is Dak Attack out of the Dale Romans barn. Now, this horse uh, went for $625,000. Um at the Keeneland September sale. It's a uh, son of Go Zapper. And Robbie Alvarado is going to come in. He hasn't been riding at Gulfstream Park, but he is going to ride for Dale Romans in here. The horse uh, last race was the Ellis Park Juvenile. It did have a shin injury, but since then has been working forwardly. Its last race was a bullet work. 
best of 37 going five furlongs December 30th at Gulfstream Park. Then you got Ball Harbor, trained by Todd Pletcher. Uh, this horse is a two-time winner at a mile, the distance of the Mucho Macho Man. And the horse, who's the wow horse, I think, his name is Mask, uh, Chad Brown. Leading trainer in the country. Uh, Javier Castellano had his choice of riding Bell Harbor or Mask. He went to Mask. This horse only broke its maiden, but it broke its maiden with an 88 buyer. And then out at Santa Anita, it's the grade two San, San Gabriel. My pick to beat in here is It's in the Post, a French bred who's a horse for course, is always there. 30 starts, six wins, six, seven, I mean, seven seconds, five thirds. Earnings of over $700,000. Definitely, I think that It's in the Post is the one to beat. It's not to say there aren't some other class horses in there, but several of them are coming off long layoffs, free rows, and Isotherm, if I'm pronunciating that right, but was very lightly raced in 2017. Well, again, I want to thank uh, the chilly cold uh, guest that we had today, uh, Dan Torgman, who was just with us here with Equestricon. Um, he's he's in New York and down in uh, in Kentucky. Jeff Greenhill told us that the things you got to do to beat the weather, getting a horse ready for the races when you just don't know what Mother Nature is going to throw at you. I want to thank my producer, Matt Widener. I'm John Engelhart. Be sure to go to winningponies.com. Check out what races are actually going to take place. And when you find out, pull down your easy win forms. Don't forget, everybody, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.